Hello, Gray Matter listeners. The team at Gray is very excited to give you another episode of Gray Matter. We have episodes lined up for the next few weeks and hope that we can continue to be part of your listening habits throughout this difficult time. This and the next few episodes were recorded before the coronavirus outbreak, which is why they don't reference it or refer to it at all. We hope these conversations can provide at least a temporary break from the day's news. If you're a new listener, this is a great opportunity to check out past episodes of Gray Matter and listen to our sister podcast, Five Things, presented by Gray and Social Media Week. It's a weekly social media roundtable. And this week, the Five Things podcast released a special episode including tips and ideas for ways to help out during this pandemic. Be sure to check that out. So for now, stay safe and stay healthy and enjoy the show. I'm an entrepreneur by heart. I'm a creative by heart. But really putting myself in a position where I really get to create my own destiny, but also being able to share those experiences with communities that, you know, maybe don't have necessarily the opportunity. Um, You don't necessarily have to know how to code. I don't know how to put one zero or one together per se. Mm -hmm. But I always say, you know, I can't connect code, but I can connect dots. And I think dot connecting is about connecting people and connecting ideas and sometimes both of those together. So as long as I... I'm able to continue to do those. I think my five-year plan of being the entrepreneur that I see myself being and ultimately being the leader um, that I want to be in the world will, will come to fruition. Every business, whether or not they realize it, is an idea business. The people at Gray have a long history of creating famously effective ideas. And so, with Gray Matter, we explore the ideas shaping our world. We ask creative minds from all corners of life how they came up with their best ideas. And that's what matters for Gray Matter. On this episode of Gray Matter, we'll find out what quite literally drove someone to solve a business problem by launching a new company called Stereo. And we'll hear about the innovative idea fueling this company, music as advertising. Hi, I'm John Petrolis, Worldwide Chief Creative Officer at Gray. And this week's idea is the company Stereo. We'll speak with co-founder Sean McKenzie and learn how this innovative company came from a problem he faced as an indie music executive. This idea, like so many great ideas, was a solution to many specific problems that dovetailed perfectly into a win-win for every industry it touched. Sean sat down and chatted with Gray's North America head of social, Kenny Gold, to talk about the origins of Stereo and how it became a success. Born in 2017, the app Stereo is a music discovery app used by Uber and Lyft drivers. Stereo compensates drivers for streaming music through the app to their passengers. The goal is to introduce passengers to unique music. This is Sean McKenzie. So Stereo. Um, Stereo is a music music discovery uh, platform exclusively for the rideshare environment. So think about, you know, your your, Uber, Lyft driver plays AM, FM radio Typically, you know, you you don't necessarily, you can't necessarily distinguish whether this is, you know, a top one song or whatever have you. You just pretty much attribute that if it's on a radio, they're they're probably reputable. So what we did was we created a third-party platform where rideshare drivers can earn points and rewards and actual money in order to share music with their passengers. So think about like ways, you know, you have these third-party platforms that rideshare drivers use. They, rather than playing AM, FM radio or any of the DSPs, which they don't get compensated for, they play stereo, they earn points, they earn money. It's really that simple. Cool. Sounds awesome. Thank you. Uh, And tell us a bit 
about how you thought of it exactly how did you think of it where were you what were you doing and and how did it start to come to life was interesting i think it was sort of it was pieced together through several different experiences and all those experiences sort of came into one so for one you know we my um my co-founders and i were we had a digital agency in 2016 and one of uh one of our clients was an la based artist he was an independent artist um, and what we noticed was, you know, it, it was increasingly difficult to sort of break through the, the noise um, of, of getting discovered. And also we started noticing this explosion in the digital space when it comes to music streaming and social media and different things like that. So that was one instance where we, you know, we were working with this artist in, in, our, in our agency. Two, you know, I, we was working out at a Brooklyn Navy Yards for um, some time. And, um, you know, I used to take these long uh, cab rides home back to the Upper West Side. And I would always have these conversations with the rideshare drivers, really, you know, beyond just the, what's, you know, what's a good restaurant to go to, any of those sort of, you know, random questions you max a driver. Really, it was finding out about them. You know, I'm really inquisitive and I, I love finding out about people, what makes them tick. What's, what are they passionate about? What, you know, what are the things that keeps them going in their lives? And, you know, one thing I started um, realizing is that a lot of them was talking about, you know, the ability for them to make money, for them to continue to earning a living was becoming increasingly hard. Um, and, you know, so that was that experience. And then I would have experiences in cars where, you know, the driver's playing a song. I'm just like, man, this song is great. Like, you know, what is this? And they're like, oh, this is just like, this is this mixtape or this is like my playlist and whatnot. So, you know, I had those experiences and those are like little breadcrumbs that led to the the uh, infamous night at uh, in the back of a lift at uh, CES in Las Vegas. My team and I were we we went off into a uh, a road trip. You know, we we were working with that recording artist, right? Um, and you know, we went to LA and we met with one of his managers, and we were showing him what we had done across social and digital. You know, all these impressions we were earning, and he said to us, he said, "Well, that's cute." But if he's not on the radio, it doesn't matter. And I was like, wow, you know, and I'm really so I'm hearkening back to like my experience, my sound, my, my experience, with my SoundCloud playlist and all these different things are happening in digital. And I'm just like, well, that's kind of short sighted. So we head over to Vegas and we're thinking ourselves and we're kind of like we're, we're as a team, we're very much like we'll show you sort of, um, you know, a sort of group. And we were thinking we we're like, what are some innovative ways we can help kids artists get their music out there? Um, and we were literally beating our head against the wall. And then we said, okay, we're going to, you know, go back to the hotel and we're going to jump into a ride share. So we, you know, the, the driver was from Puerto Rico, had just arrived to Las Vegas and was playing his music. And the music he was playing was a lot of music that later became popular that summer, which is like J Balvin, um, you know, the Despacitos of the world, but he's coming from Puerto Rico, like before it sort of hit that critical mass here in the United States or, or here at least stateside. Um, so he's giving, and he's telling me about these artists. He's like, this is going to be, you know, major in the, in the next couple of months, et cetera. And I wind up, you know, shazamming five songs. I'm just like, this is amazing. So literally in that moment, it really like all those experiences, all those breadcrumbs sort of came together and I said, well, wait a minute. And I asked him a question. I said, well, if someone were to compensate you for doing what you already do passively, which you already share music with your passengers, you already, you know, play radio even just for your pleasure, you know, uh, in your rideshare vehicle, 
if someone were to compensate you for doing that, let's say it was an app, game a hypothetical, um, would you do it? So then he pulls out his phone and then he looks in the back of the car with us. I was with my, uh, my two other co-founders and says, well, what's the app? <laughs> and he tries to download the app that did not exist. So then we get out and we go to the hotel. Um, and then I'm just like, guys, I think there's something here. So we went from trying to help the artist that was our client to saying, hey, maybe this is a potential platform that can help all artists and really sort of create a more democratized radio, you know, music as advertising. So I said, you know, we were working on it. We were working on our agency and we also were working on our own digital products um, because we're entrepreneurs at heart, but we had our agency sort of to keep the lights on. And I said, guys, I think, you know, I love what we're doing here, but, you know, I think stereo could have some legs. And we went back to New York City and we peeped over our shoulder a bit. But for what it's worth, we never looked back at that point. Wow. Yeah. It's pretty incredible to hear the story like that. Generally, when we talk to people and we hear about the ideas that they came up with, they're like, this is the idea. Yeah. Oh, how'd you think of it? Well, I was sitting here, this, that, and the other. Yeah. I love how serendipitous each component yeah. of creating the idea was. In in short order, you were able to identify a gap mm-hmm. in the market. You were able to identify two different consumer behaviors yep. in two different verticals. And we're able, in the course of a day, yeah, really able to meld them together into something mm-hmm. pretty special. Yeah. I mean, I think if you ask most people, they usually sort of go with the day when they came up with the idea. Little, you know, they, they often don't talk about the, the sort of breadcrumbs that happened prior. Yeah. Those little seeds that happened that sort of led, you know, led up to like sort of this culmination of, hey, here's the idea. So I'd be remiss to say oh, it wasn't those long car rides with those, you know, hardworking rideshare drivers, like literally bleeding their heart out to me and telling me about, you know, them supporting their families and me actually having empathy with that and saying, man, I wish there were ways that we can solve that, you know, because I'm always looking for ways of how we can use technology and just use just, you know, innovative and creative processes to solve problems. And And I also think that it's important that, you know, we find these little gray areas, these gaps where communities can work together in conjunction to sort of solve each other's problems. It's funny when we talk about innovation, yeah. it's such a big word. It sits up in the clouds a little bit. Yeah. And when you boil it down, it is manipulating and leveraging technology mm-hmm. to solve human problems. Yeah. And you did that to a T. It's it's an unbelievable story. Thank you. Uh, shifting gears a little bit, you talked a lot about your the inspiration behind the idea. Yeah. When you think about stereo and it coming to life, yeah. Is there one driver that inspired you beyond the first person you mentioned in the in the story? Is there is there this light bulb story that you always reference when you talk about? Uh, the brand. Yeah. So, you know, when we, you know, we got back to New York City, I, I immediately, I went to the rideshare depots at JFK and I spent like a, a, a number of months there literally serving drivers, first serving, then collecting emails, then literally having a beta product, like which happened in September, 2017. But in the middle of that, there's actually a driver named Kwame. Um, he's actually one of our, our uh, original driver ambassadors 
that, you know, he sort of was the first driver outside of that Las Vegas experience to validate what we were doing and actually, um, you know, joined us for a short time, you know, working on the driver's side. But, um, yeah, it was like having those interactions, actually going to the depot and asking questions. Um, and then, you know, when it's one thing when one person says, hey, I'll do it is another thing when you go and you, you know, you survey 20 drivers in a day and they all say like 17, 16 of them say, hey, I'll do it. Then you literally it's like one step, one foot leads to the, to the other and, and sort of trying to solve problems and sort of trying to hack things as you go along. So we literally started with a Google form, led our way up to, to having a, a beta product to the point where we now we had sort of the the technology involved to be able to create, you know, onboarding processes quicker. Um, those are all things that literally was one foot in front of the other. And I think it's important to, you know, because I Stereo is my third startup. And I remember, you know, my first startup and sort of that not being able, not going to where I thought it would go was because I let um, great be the enemy of good. And sometimes you just have to do what you have in front of you or use what you have in front of you, whether it's a Google Doc and asking questions until you're able to sort of build a process that makes it that beautiful, seamless experience that everybody wants. But quite often people allow not having that seamless experience in the, in the offset to sort of stop them from moving forward. And we, we, we never did that. We just kept moving forward and kept solving problems as we went. Awesome. How many drivers and how many artists are on the platform currently? So right now we have about uh, about 5,000 artists on the platform and we're hovering in and around 60 to 65,000 drivers on the platform. Wow. We're in, uh, I think, 27, now is 27 uh, U.S. markets. Um, our biggest markets uh, right now are um, New York because that's where we started. That's when we went beta is the sort of the largest geographical area with rideshare drivers, L.A. and Austin. And um, we launched in Austin and New York simultaneously after a 100-car uh, beta in New York City in September 2017. Uh, in March of 2018, we launched at South by Southwest in Austin, and then we launched in New York City simultaneously. And at first, you know, getting drivers, you would think that it's just easy and whatnot, but no, there's sort of, uh, you have to have this um, process when you're getting them to trust you, um, when you're getting them, when you're explaining the process, it's just not as easy as saying, hey, we're going to compensate you, reward you, or give you money for, you know, playing music. We really sort of had to um, get to the point where now they knew who Sean was at the depot because they had saw me for eight and nine months consistently. Right. And they're like, oh, we know that guy. Uh, so at that point, you know, we got to a point where it's like we didn't necessarily even have to do heavy recruiting. We They were you know, recommending their friends on their own. The, the, the rideshare community is a very strong, tight-knit community. They have Facebook groups, WhatsApp groups. Um, they, they sort of, they span into in many different um, sort of demographics. Um, so once you sort of, you, you, you give them an experience that makes sense for them, then they're going to tell their friend and their friends are going to tell a friend. And then next thing you know, what, what, what kind of adversity did you face in terms of people not believing in the idea? Well, you know, I just think, you know, originally you'll have people in the music industry specifically that, you know, are very much used to things, you know, sort of working in a very particular way, very traditional way. Um, and I think lucky for us, the music industry, for what it's worth, is a lot more 
you know, quicker to embrace innovation. They've already saw what happened when they didn't embrace, you know, the Napsters of the world. And it took a long time for them to catch up from that. So originally, I say it was a lot of people from the music industry who was like trying to figure out what the value of this is, trying to figure out is there value and trying to really understand where this initial seed idea, how it can really grow into something that's super dynamic, that can be, you know, the next big audio platform. And I just think for us, it was very, we, we were lucky that everything worked alongside of the growth in audio, podcasting and playlisting um, and audio advertising as well. Um, and then, you know, just the idea of, you know, independent music, indie music, independent artists taking more control of their careers. And then the explosion of rideshare and really, you know, I, I would say sort of the growth of rideshare 2.0, where, you know, we, we, you know, we obviously have this platform that's super, you know, dynamic and it's a part of our lives. But, you know, where does it go from here? How sustainable is it? And how can we continue to uh, support the people that are in this industry who are the most important people in this industry, which are the drivers themselves? And I think that you know, for us, you know, having all those things sort of come together really helped our narrative. So although we did have some, you know, naysayers in the beginning, it didn't really last long. And even the ones that are still here neighing and saying, um, we don't, we, we, we really know the narrative. We know what our value is. We know our value prop and we know what the, the product's heading in. And we, we never allow them to sort of fester in our minds for, for too long. Great. Let's get out of the negative for a yes, second. Yes. Uh, what was that single moment where you looked around at this idea and you were like, this thing is going to be successful? Hmm. Um, I would say when we first, when we got our first m major label campaign, which came a little bit how easy is the, the wrong word, but it came it, it came quicker than we what we expected. Um, you know, I, again, like I mentioned, music industry very much traditionalist, very much at least historically slow to innovate. So when we had one of the the, the major three, you know, of course you have Universal, Sony, and Warner. When we had one of the major three, literally say we're saying, hey, we're using music at advertising. Here's what we do. You know, would you be down to use this? And they literally signed up one of their baby bands to play during South by when we did launch. It was incredible because as we're coming out of our beta and going into launching at South by, you know, many, you know, a lot of times you would think that it would just be the indie artist and sort of having that, you know, direct to consumer, direct to artist, you know, engagement. But, you know, we had, you know, paid advertisement or paid um, music campaigns from you know, a major record label. So that really was sort of, it, 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 it created a sense of sort of um, ensure that we were in the right direction because the big boys were, were sort of letting us know that, you know, this is something of value. Cool. How many times did you think about throwing in the towel? This is not worth it. Um... There's maybe once or twice that I can't even remember because you know what? I would say one thing about my co-founders is that we're really resilient. We're like, you know, very much like a family, very much been through ups and downs. When you're in the trenches with somebody for five years, and I think that's why it's very important, you know, not necessarily what the product is, but who uh, the, th the team that's building the product and sort of your whys. 
And I think for us, our whys were always more important than our hows, you know, like, how are we going to do this? We woke up every single day. How are we going to do this? How are we going to face these challenges? All different types of issues, whether they're technical or, you know, staffing, all different types of things. And I think, you know, there are one or two, maybe one or two times I'm like, oh, I don't know if this is going to happen. But we were always able to lean on each other. And if you're standing in the foxhole with somebody for a sustained period of time, then you really get to know them as people and know what they're made out of. And we were all made out of like steel. Um, and we, you know, our commitment to our communities were bigger than even sometimes to our commitment to ourselves. Um, whether that's a good or a bad thing, you know, that, that you know, that, that that's up for debate. But I think we saw something that artists can really leverage to help get their music out there, to really help you know, create a, a sort of a, a direct path towards gaining new fans and listeners in a, in a really intimate and captive environment. And then we saw an opportunity for them to like, you know, really look themselves in the mirror and, and see drivers and see what they sort of, what their, what their position in the industry is, what their position in society is and how they can work together. So then we're looking at our drivers and when they're, t when we're getting emails about them being able to purchase medicine because, you know, they, they earned 200, $300 last month just for playing music or some of them saying, Hey, I was able to take my son to a baseball game. Those stories keep us going. You know, we get them on our Facebook messenger and our emails a lot. And I think beyond throwing the towel, we really just bought into what our impact on society could be as a product um, and, and really creating, you know, sort of an innovative way to, to share music. Because music is, is, is one of the most infectious things in the world, like besides food, right? Um, so we knew as long as we had something that people would love and as long as we sort of kept our wits about us, then we, we can really take this where we need to. And is there an artist that you would love to have on the platform that isn't on right now? Who's the dream artist? Oh, man, the dream artist. I'll say the dream artist for me would be, I mean, for me, my, my favorite artist is Jay-Z. Um, and it would be so easy to say, hey, have Jay-Z on the platform. But I'd love to even just get an assortment of, you know, Rock Nation artists, like up and coming artists from that label, especially because I started at Rockefeller. I think that would be incredible for me because it would be like an incredible full circle, um, like, when I was putting up posters in the wintertime, you know, back then, I, I kind of never foresaw, you know, we actually did an event with Rock Nation. We did an artist feedback session event where we basically gave uh, 70 artists the opportunity to meet with um, A&Rs and music professionals for like six minute sort of lightning sessions. Um, and each artist got to meet with someone and, and sort of, and gain that feedback. So, you know, if I had the opportunity to have someone that, you know, obviously I have a connection to on that front from the beginning of my career, I think that would be incredible. So maybe not JT himself, because maybe it's a little bit too big, but maybe giving him the opportunities of the people he's trying to support, that that would be really incredible. Throughout the journey building Stereo, what would you say was the single best piece of advice you received? You know, always remember why you're doing what you do because it's going to be the reason why you keep going when times get tough or when things don't necessarily go your way. Um, you really have to think about yourself or your mission as sort of a big picture thing, not sort of in these sort of small little frames of every single day, because again, it's a grind. And like there were times where in the everyday mundaneness of just trying to get one task done, 
and sometimes feeling unaccomplished because you see this big daunting task of building this community and this product, you know, you sometimes get lost in the sauce, if you will. You just remember why you do what you do. Remember the communities that you're trying to connect with. Remember, you know, even just the small stories. And I think even going back to those those rides from the Brooklyn Navy Yards to the Upper West Side, I remembered those conversations. I remember the feelings of those drivers and why, you know, what what their wives were. Their wives were their 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 livelihoods, their their families. So because I didn't forget those experience that experience, it sort of was it, it enabled us to sort of connect that experience at a future date. So, you know, if I would have been sort of just passively just driving and not really, you know, paying attention to what they were saying or just thinking it as just sort of just one-off sort of engagement. No, it's like every single day we have opportunity to engage with people, to engage with communities. And we, we shouldn't take that lightly because we can find innovation everywhere. And I think innovation comes from everyday experiences. It's not some, it doesn't take some sort of genius to do it. It takes a person who has an open heart and an open mind and can see sort of, you know, the what can be built, you know, from just a simple seed. And then if you have sort of stomach to deal with the mundaneness of the everyday, you can sort of, it's sort of like being in a museum and you're sort of close to the painting and then you slowly step back and you see this beautiful painting, but you sort of, you don't forget when you were sort of head on and all you saw was little dots. So um, always, always remember your whys and why you do it and the people you do it for. Kenny, that was really interesting. Uh, it's an app that functions in service of another app. That's pretty unique. Um, so Sean seems to have an eye for finding unmet needs in the technology space and creating a solution. Where did you find out about it, and where do you think Stereo's going in the future? Yeah, we actually met Sean through Betaworks, right. a partner of ours, and uh, we really get exposed to some interesting thought leaders in a space like that. And the thing with Sean is he found this unmet need and now they're expanding the the drivers that they're interacting with, the apps that they have access to be able to piggyback on what Stereo is doing. And it really is just a fascinating way to gain exposure for the next generation of artists, which I think when you look at social media and you look at the things in our apps, we're just looking for ways to discover new content. So he just simply by sitting in an Uber can figure out that this is something that can go out into the world that provides real value for both drivers and artists. So it's a pretty fascinating brand uh, and definitely something that I could see growing even bigger in the future. Yeah, me too. It's a really good idea. So how can people learn more about Stereo or sign up for the service? Sure. You, you can find out more on Stereo.com. That's Stereo with two E's, like the word steer. Or you can download the Stereo app in your phone's app store. All right. Cool. Thanks, Kenny. And thanks, Sean, for making my rides to the airport a bit more enjoyable. That does it for this week. If you'd like to hear how other creators, founders, and inventors thought up their ideas, be sure to subscribe to Gray Matter wherever you listen to podcasts. And be sure to rate and review in Apple Podcasts, but more importantly, go ahead and tell a friend. If you like what we're doing, let us know. We love hearing from you. Follow Gray's social pages for more information about Gray and upcoming episodes. Thanks for listening. Gray Matter is hosted by John Petrulis, produced by Joey Scarillo and Christina Torres. Mixed by Guy Rosemarin at Townhouse Studios. Additional support from David Canavan, Christina Hyde, Grace McDougall, Andy Yancho, John Bicknell, Lydia Dizon, Abigail Hofflinger, and Ryan Cunningham. Gray is a global creative agency whose mission is putting famously effective ideas into the world. 
Check out more at gray.com.